Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 34 of Licensed to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt Jay. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? I'm alright, man. It's been kind of a funky week, actually. But I, I heard you doing the opening... And uh, despite the fact that I already watched this episode and I know that it's episode 34, it does feel weird that it's episode 34. Are, are we hitting the point in the season where you are starting to feel weird about how far we are into the season? Because I know that happens yeah, every season. It does. And I we are like we're solidly in there. Well, also just like because this year has been so crazy for us, it's been it's weird chronologically. Yes. Like my whole like my whole sense of like how long it takes us to get through a season. Because for our first like three seasons, we basically did a year per season. And it's sort of been the last two seasons of stretched, kind of. Um, I don't actually even properly remember when we started Car Ranger. Uh well, like I remember we... I remember the opening episode. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't remember like the the date we that started, we started right doing Car near Ranger. the beginning of 2019 because remember we had gotten on we had sort of like hit a loop where we were watching the show sort of on the same schedule that it had been coming oh, out. Oh yeah 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 that's right. Okay, well we're actually not. No, we're 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 way far behind. We're we're, we're decently behind, far. but we're not as behind as it might seem. Yeah, and really, what's behind? You know. Yeah. No. I mean, listen. This is not uh, the podcast. This is police. a twenty. Right, this is a 23-year-old show. This show can drink, so I'm... 23, right? 1996? Yep. Yeah, so this is a 23-year-old show. I'm not uh, I'm not stressing about it. Right, right. Now, the yeah, I'm not stressing about it being late. I'm not stressing about spoilers. It's, it's, it's one of those... Dave, this show's evergreen, baby. Which is good, because we're getting on towards Christmas time. Um... Uh, also good because it's twenty. Yeah, it's if it wasn't evergreen, we would be in a lot of trouble. Um, Dave, we today, as, as we've been discussing, are watching episode thirty-four of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. It is called "Meddling in Love: The Intruding Girl," and I'm very much looking forward to discussing it. But of course, before we do that, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to hear what our first star of the week is? I sure would, Matt. That's great, because I wrote it down and everything. Dave, our first star of the week is a sort of general... Okay, I've got two small video game things that I want to talk about. Uh, And I don't think either of them are going to be big enough for a star, so I'm going to try to, like, mash them together, if that's all right with you. Oh, yeah, no, go shit. I actually have also... I have a video game thing, which is not a huge... We'll just kind of mush it all together. Okay, so stars... Dave, the first and second star of the week is you and me chatting about video games for a few minutes. Hey, uh, first thing, this is sort of a general um, service announcement. If you have played the video game Celeste. I have not. Uh, Celeste is a super great uh, 2D platforming game. I uh, love 2D platforming games. Came out a couple of years ago. It is very challenging. Uh, it's in that sort of vein. I, th- I think we've talked about it on the show before. Celeste is very much in the sort of vein of like... Um, 
like a super meat boy sort of thing, like a, a platformer that is designed specifically to be very difficult to get through. Okay, um, but, got it. But it is not as punishing as other sorts of those games. It's actually very like, like the game is hard, but it is presented to you in a very chill way, if that makes any sense. No, I dig that. I like challenging platformers, but there is like, there's definitely an upper limit and there's definitely a, how to say, like there's a vibe of challenging platformer that I really dig. The vibe of challenging platformer that I really, really love is uh, Prince of Persia. Oh, loved Prince of Persia. Like the, I mean, I actually do like, I played, I mean, 25 years ago, I did play the original Prince of Persia, but I'm, I'm talking about the more recent one. Sure, the Sense um, of Time. Yeah, those were, like, they're really good platformers, and they were definitely hard, but they had a real, uh, like, flow to them, and it felt to me more about, like, getting into, like, the vibe and and timing of the game than it did, like, like a really insane level on Super Mario Maker, for example. Very much so. I, mean, I think the great thing about the Prince of Persia games is that they introduced that mechanic of the Sands of Time where you could, like, rewind if you screwed up. And you could only do it X number of times before you ran out of sand. But, like, the game was, while challenging, like, in that sense, forgiving. Um, yes. Yeah. Celeste doesn't let you rewind, but every, like, individual screen is kind of its own jumping puzzle. Oh, okay. So, like, you you move from, like, checkpoint to checkpoint very quickly, and the game is, it like, it takes basically zero time to reload the screen after you die. Like, it doesn't even stop and restart the music. It just continues to play the music, throws you back to the beginning, blacks out the screen, and starts you over. Nice. So, like, it's a very sort of welcoming game in that sense, although it is very challenging. So I played, th- and, you know, as these games are, like, it gets more and more challenging as the game progresses, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty standard. Yeah. So I played through this game sometime last year, and I beat it. And I was very happy that I beat it, because it felt very, you know, rewarding. Um, but in the last month or so, the the guy who made the game... It was like, listen, I'm not going to be, like, working on this game anymore, and uh, I'm actually, like, leaving, like, you know, shutting down this game studio to start a new game studio. So sort of as a, like, epilogue slash goodbye to the fans of this game, he came back and made, like, the first and last DLC for it, and it is free DLC. It's just, like, if you have the game, this is why this is a general service update, if you have the game Celeste... There are new levels for you to play. There's like a nice. whole other like hundred screens worth of world at the end for you to like jump in and have this like epilogue experience to go back through the game and sort of re-enjoy it. Here's the problem. Uh, as I said, the game gets harder and harder as you go on and I haven't played it in a year. So I oh, got... so these are levels that are coming at the very end. Right. And... <laughs> so I got super excited to go back into this game that I loved, and I got like one or two screens in and realized like, I am not where this game expects me to be for this. So now I'm like kind of playing back through the whole game, which is, you know, I'm like, I, I have mentally solved the puzzles, but it's like just training myself to get back to a spot where I can play the game again and finish these <laughs> yes, new levels. No, I absolutely know what Because, like, mean. I want to experience the new stuff. Like, it's a very good game, but boy, it is asking a lot of me, which is fine because I'm single and I don't have kids. 
I saw somebody post a brilliant uh, idea on Twitter, which is that any, all games, all games, but particularly like role-playing games should have a, a like, I'm a very busy person setting where it just sort of like watches the clock because, you know, like it's on a Xbox or whatever. And if it notes that you haven't played the game in like a month, when you pop it back up, it gives you like a little tutorial of like, here's where you are. This is what you're doing. This is why you were doing it. And here's like a five minute tutorial on the controls that you have probably forgotten. That would be very good. I would appreciate that a lot. Right. Because like I went back to play uh, Witcher 3 because I never did get around to playing the big DLC for it. And I had some time over the summer and I booted it up and I was playing it for like 15 minutes. And I was like, man, I do not remember anything about this game. And Witcher 3 is an incredible game, but it's fairly deep. And they do a very good job of like slowly immersing you in it. But my character was already like level whatever. And I'm like, I don't remember anything that I'm doing. And I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know why. And I can't remember how to fight anyone. So like, I'm done. I'm out. That is a that is a shame, but a completely understandable one. Uh, the, the sort of second quick video game hit that I've got for you is... Um, I, I had an, an unusual experience playing Fallout 76 the other day. Um, okay. And I was telling somebody else about this story, and when I told him that I had an unusual experience playing Fallout 76, his immediate reaction was, did you run into another person who was also still playing that game? <laughs> <laughs> Which was mean, but funny and fair. Um, no, so I, I have almost never run into any like real bugs in the game, um, but I finally did. I finally hit like this really awful bug where I was going through this whole huge missile silo, like underground base and I got like to the very end of it and I hopped into a menu and the game just froze oh no and you know like I had this is like like missile oh you were like end game you were getting ready to like launch a nuke to do a thing yes so it had taken me like two hours and I'd used up like every item I had in the game um and the game froze and when I, like, rebooted the game, it kicked me back to, like, the very beginning of that thing. Like, it took me outside the missile silo. And when I, Yeah, that's because that's, that's how it do. And, like, and I went back down into it, and they're like, okay, time to start this mission. And so I, I quit immediately, and I paced around my apartment for a bit. And later that day, I decided I was going to do it again. Um, and so I went in, and what I realized pretty early on, after I, like, restocked on all my stuff to go back into it, was that the game did kick me out, and it was making me do all the mission stuff again, but weirdly, it remembered that I had, like, blown up all the killer robots inside, and, like, destroyed all of, like, the laser turrets and traps and stuff. So, like, there were occasional enemies that were being, like, respawned as, quote-unquote, reinforcements, but, like, I had already killed all of the enforcements, I guess? There was no one for them to reinforce, so I did this whole thing twice. The first time was the most difficult thing I've ever done in Fallout 76. The second one, I kind of felt like I was like Arnold Schwarzenegger in like Commando, just like rolling through and like completely <laughs> decimating things. And it was no challenge at all. Because like I was just rolling through and then like one guy would show up and I would just kill him and that would be fine. As opposed to the 12 guys I was dealing with the first time through. It was very weird. So I never actually got around to, I never got that far into the game. Like, did you, 
Did you do it? Like you launched the nuke and yeah, I launched the nuke. Then the, then the nuke had been launched, and that was basically it. Like you, what can happen then is you can go into the blast zone of where you had dropped the nuke, and there will be like more challenging enemies and stuff for you to fight, like the big, big, big monsters. But I I was a high enough level to get through the missile launching mission, but not a high enough level to like actually deal with the other stuff. So it was yes. very satisfying, but that was basically the end of my night. Got it, got it. Well, uh, I'm sorry that it sucked at first, but it it sounded like it double glitched on you. Like there was kind of a double double turns out. Yeah, yeah. It was. It actually turned out being kind of rewarding. <gasps> you know, you you have to find your own fun in those games. Yeah, you very much do in a in a weird sort of way. Uh, anyway, Dave, what is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, Matt, is I actually don't have a ton of information on this. Uh, it's a, it's in Kickstarter still, and I but I saw it and I was so enchanted by it that I just like, I felt like I needed to talk about it to you and maybe like let people know about it if they haven't heard. Uh, this is a game that is is in development and it is called Book of Travels. Have you seen anything about this game, Matt? No, I have not. Okay, well, it's by a Swedish studio, which automatically I'm sort of like semi-invested because I like Sweden. Um, And they're billing it as a serene online RPG. Okay. Yeah. They're calling it a TMORPG, which is a tiny multiplayer online role-playing game. So, like, the... Actually, in a Fallout sort of way, like, the world is very large, but the number of people who can be playing on a given server at any one time is apparently going to be very small. Right so, on. like, when you do meet another person, it's going to be it's gonna be very cool. Um, it looks gorgeous. It's like a 3D world, but everything is hand-painted. It actually has a very, um, like, Legend of Mana kind of vibe to it. Ooh. Not ne- not necessarily in specific artistic style, but like the vibe of it. Like obviously it's a video game, you're operating in a 3D sort of world, but it does have that kind of like flat painted look. You know what it actually looks like? Is it looks a lot like um old Disney animations where like you can tell it's flat, but they're doing a lot of like very cool depth of field things. Okay. Love it. Yeah. And it's it's just this like big open world but it seems very like chill and serene and but like there's still skills and like some combat but like it doesn't seem like there's a ton of combat there's like trading and crafting and and all of this stuff it's mostly just like a poking around in a pleasant environment game yeah it seems like a really yes i mean i'm not against that that sounds lovely yeah and i was looking at it i was like I think I'm going to kickstart this game. Like, this game looks amazing. This is precisely the sort of video game experience I want with my spare time. Like, like log in, and I'm going to wander around this, like, beautiful world and, and just, like, see some stuff. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like, it looks rad, though. Like, just go... Like, when, when you have a second, go check it out. Again, it's called Book of Travels. Uh, the studio is called... Uh, Might and Delight, which is cool. Uh, right on. I just, yeah, like I just dig the whole vibe. 
Um, it looks it looks very 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 cool. Um, I'm excited to to back it, and I I think you should people should go look at it. That's all I got. So sorry, I don't have any jokes about this. I'm just like <laughs> genuinely excited about this like very very cool and sort of like out of the box video game experience um, that I'm I'm sort of looking forward to having at some point in the future. Okay, well I've sort of uh, gushed humorlessly about. It's been sort of a real desert uh, joke, joke desert going on here. So maybe you can save us. <laughs> Matt, what is our third star of the week? Dave, our third star of the week is that it is currently, as we record this, November 18th. That is, yes, it is. Now, the reason that that is significant is that we are in like decorations limbo right now. And I'm kind of having a tough time with it. Because like, okay, it's, it's November 18th. I already have like some some dried corn on the door and a few decorative gourds around the apartment and that's fine but like listen the time for gourds is over right like Thanksgiving is coming but like we're not having Thanksgiving at my place so I don't No I think you could you could still do a gourd you could not do I think the time for pumpkins is over but a gourd, you would still be all right. I mean, listen, I'm not throwing away my gourds yet. I'm not being crazy here. But, like, what I really want is to go down and get my Christmas decorations and start putting that up. But here is my issue, is I feel like I can't do it yet because I haven't gotten the tree yet. I haven't gotten the tree yet because they don't have the trees at the Home Depot yet. But the other day, I was at uh, Target because I needed to pick up some Target stuff. Um mm-hmm. And they had all these great Christmas decorations. And I was looking around like, oh, man, these are amazing Christmas decorations. I want to buy these and take them home and decorate my place for Christmas. But I know that I have a huge bin of Christmas decorations. And a lot of the stuff that I was seeing is sort of like basically the same stuff that I've got, but like slightly different. So, Mm. like, I, I can't just buy stuff, put it up, and then pull my bins out in a week and a half and realize that I've just bought, like doubles of basically everything and it's well yeah that's probably not a great idea and here's the real danger dave is i live really close to this like vintage resale shop oh yeah the place is great um and every christmas time like every holiday season they shut the place down for a few days take out tons of their stock and then bring in like a whole they've got like a whole separate store basically of stuff that they keep in a warehouse during the year and it's just old, like, Christmas decorations from, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Oh, dang. And it's so good. And, it's like, I just yeah, wa- well, I just wandered I in think... there the other day. I'm like, oh, all these, like, weird 70s ceramic snowmen. I want to buy them all. But I can't do it, Dave, because I would, like, my place isn't big enough to have that much stuff without looking like a crazy person lives here. Uh, and I, well, I don't want to go that far, you know? Well, now, Matt, here's what I could say. Here's <laughs> what I will tell you. This... I hope this advice is helpful to you. It might be counterproductive for for what it sounds like you're going for, but I'm going to say it anyways. You have a fair amount of basement space, and your apartment is a great size for the number of people that live there. True, which is one. Yeah, which is one. But it's it's not a huge place. I would say that you could probably get all the decorations you have down and all new decorations up and I mean pretty almost bare walls, in, man, I don't think it would take you more than, like, three hours. That is that is certainly true. If we're not counting, like, trimming a Christmas tree. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the tree itself is is a is a different thing. But I think you could probably soup to nuts completely redecorate your apartment as f- not like furniture, of course, but like uh, decor. And I, I think like three hours. And you also, Matt, I know have a fair amount of basement space. True, true. I th- you could very easily, Matt, have three to four, possibly as many as five distinct home decors. And just, and just cycle like, through them, them throughout the year. Cycle through them throughout the year. It would keep your place fresh. You definitely have the space to do it. It's something to do. It can be totally unique because it's just you that's living there. That, Matt, this is... I think I'm giving you gold here. This is a very good idea. Well, thank, thank you for issuing this challenge to me, Dave. We, we will see. I, I'm definitely going to be pulling out my Christmas stuff soon. And my summer stuff is definitely away. And really, the only thing in between those, as I've said, is a handful of gourds. So maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll look into a little exploration of that coming up soon, Dave. But what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Matt, it's our yearly bake off check in. Okay, bake off check in. Oh, Matt, Matt, I really was not. I wasn't going to do that because you know what you've just done. I'm not even going to tell you what you've done because you know in your heart that's that's not a musical sting, Dave. That's just that's just. That's basically... No, uh, you're making it worse. You're making it worse. It's just trailer watch, but for bake-off. You know that you're making it worse. Now you're just taunting our dear friend and producer, Mark. Bake-off check-in. Anyway, so it's the most recent season of Great British Bake Off has hit. Netflix and we're watching it and uh, it is as always uh, a delight and here's the thing about that I'm noticing about Great British Bake Off and I'm wondering I'm actually starting to wonder kind of like how much more life it has Mm -hmm. first of all it's great second of all 100% British third yes lots of stuff to bake just so much so much stuff to bake Well, here's the thing, and it's the same thing that you see with all of these competition shows, right? Particularly the ones that are built around uh, amateurs, like MasterChef or something like that, which is, it's sort of like, you know what it's like, man? What's it like, It's like UFC. Like in the very early years of UFC, like the real, real early years, it was just like the Wild West, and like nobody had any idea what was happening, and it was just like full on like that guy's a Greco-Roman wrestler and that dude does Muay Thai. Like throw him in a ring and see what happens. Um, and it, it, it was this like kind of like wild, weird mix. But now, of course, it's been around for long enough that there are people who like who UFC style MMA like is the martial art that they do. Right. Like there are there is a gradation of skill within that, but like it, it like it's sort of been solved to an extent. Yes. Yeah. Now, in, I, in, I say in, that as someone who doesn't right. watch UFC. I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but like on a broad scale, yes. Yeah. And so Great British Bake Off is kind of the same. Like they the realized that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is the best way to bake? Yeah, they just figured it out. Like, you just take the host and you... No. Um, Like, in the early seasons, like, obviously, like, it was a big hit and people dug it. But it was still, like, very, very amateurish. Like, the people, obviously, are, like, incredible bakers. 
um, for for amateurs. But like now, it's been around long enough that the people that are showing up on the show have like a crazy degree of skill. This, like, this is also this they're... is also the American Ninja Challenge uh, problem. Yes, exactly. It's the American Ninja Warrior Challenge. It's the MasterChef problem. It's the it's it's the same thing, which is like what was this bizarre thing has now become its own genre, and so now people are sort of training in a sense for Great British Bake Off, uh, and so it's just it's a little bit less like home cookie. And here's the other weird thing. Is they feel the need to like keep it fresh, right? Sure. And so they are the challenges that come through are these like increasingly bizarre things. Because uh, the structure of the show, if, if you don't recall this, uh, me talking about it before, is there's three challenges every week, and the first challenge is a signature challenge. And it'll be like, make, you know, a particular kind of cake, right? Mm. And like you can kind of mix and match, and like you get to sort of put your own spin on it. And then the third challenge is sort of the same, where they'll be like, make a big, crazy, it's called the showstopper challenge, like make a big, crazy sort of like centerpiece style baked thing. But again, you can sort of put your own spin on it, right? Uh huh. The middle challenge is called the technical challenge. And what the technical challenge is, is that like you don't know what it is ahead of time. Uh, everybody makes the exact same thing. It's judged blind and you you get instructions, but like you only get a partial set of instructions. Okay. And so the so the idea is like you get a very vague set of instructions, and you, the contestant, have to use your own baking knowledge to like fill in the gaps. Okay. Basically. Uh and at first it was like, you know, make croissants or something. So it's like, okay, you know, like that's sort of a technical thing, and you've got to know what you're doing. But, like, everybody's heard of a croissant. Like, you know what it is. You know what it's supposed to look like. Like, everybody's eaten one. And But now they're like, make, make this, like, bizarre for most of the audience. Like, no one's ever heard of it. Like, the judges have barely heard of it. They act like they do, but they don't. <laughs> it's like this crazy thing. And it's just like, this is not... This is not about baking knowledge. This is about, like, have you ever happened to travel to Malaysia for, like, the Palm Tree Festival? Because that's the only time anybody <laughs> on the planet eats this thing. Uh, no? Good luck, I guess. Like, it's just, like, it's... The curve is 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 getting pretty steep on this thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm still... I'm still... Obviously, we're watching the whole thing. Um, I'm hoping to watch the final of it uh, tonight after we finish this up. But what, Matt, is... Our fifth star of the week. Dave, our fifth star of the week. Remember a few minutes ago we were talking about uh, me rearranging my apartment? Yeah. Okay, here we go again. So the fifth star of the week is that I have just ordered a new desk. Nice. Um, which I'm very excited about. My the, the thing I've been using as a desk basically my entire adult life is a two foot by three foot, very sturdy uh, folding table. You could do worse. Yeah, you could do worse. Uh, it, has, it has served me well and, you know, like... It's totally fine. It's got sort of like a like a cheap wood grain veneer on the top. But like, I don't know, man. I, I, I saw a desk that was on sale, and I really liked the look of it. It had sort of like this mid-century modern, like asynchronous vibe um, that probably well, will you're look definitely... terrible in five years. But today it looks amazing, right? Yeah, well, you're definitely, listen, you're definitely putting together an aesthetic here, Matt. I'm doing my best. You know, like I said, I live alone. I gotta make the apartment interesting somehow. Um... 
So I bought this. I, I, I ordered this desk. It's arriving on Thursday. Um, and I got really excited. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to take my current desk and I'm going to you know, fold it up and put it in the basement. And then I'm going to have a new desk in this spot. And I was like, wait a second. My current desk fits like exactly in the spot that it's in. I did not measure my current desk or look at the dimensions of the new desk. Before I clicked purchase. <laughs> and it turns out, Dave, that my new desk is about 10 inches wider than my current desk. Matt, you were so close. Like, you were so close to, like, totally crushing this problem like, like a full-on adult. So the thing is that now I've got... So, like, my current desk, it's it sort of... It is nestled in between the side of my bed and the window in my bedroom. And there's like a three-foot gap in between those, and it fits perfectly in that gap. But now, now I'm going to have a desk that is like three foot ten inches, you know? And so I'm now I am stuck in this weird dilemma where I don't know, like, should I just let it kind of cover the window a bit and see how I like it? Or is it time to rearrange my entire bedroom? And if I'm rearranging my entire bedroom, then like... Is everything that I have in my bedroom now going to fit in my bedroom? Will I need to buy a new shelf somewhere? Will I need to take something out of this room and put it in the other room? There's no room in the other room for anything to be put in there. So if I'm putting something from this bedroom into the other room, is am I then going to have to take stuff out of that room? And then is it going to have to go in the basement? Am I going to throw it away? Like, that seems wasteful. And I... Uh, Sounds like you got to move, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Never moving. Never again. But um, the... Yeah, I just realized, like, after I clicked send and realized that, like, this 10 inches is going to throw off my entire life. Like, I am at... I, I am now at peak furniture. Like, I was talking earlier about being, like, peak decoration. That's more nebulous. Yeah. But, like, I am definitely at peak furniture. Like, there just is not room in my apartment for more furniture after this. Like, anything anything after this, it's one in, one out. Like, I cannot buy a chair without throwing away or giving away a chair somewhere. No, Matt, this is, this is a great realization for you to have had. I think a lot of people never have that realization. And it's like, I could use a nice new chair. But they still keep the old chair. And then, like, that makes Kondo-sama really sad. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, you, right. You nailed it. Like, this is a this is a very, uh, uh, I think I think the guy's name was David Allen, It's All Too Much, is the is the other book that's sort of along those lines. Um, yeah, it, 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 is, it, is, it is just recently, I just got, like, 10 inches over the line of what I can fit in my apartment. And now, like, when it shows up on Thursday, I genuinely don't know what I'm going to do. It's an exciting time in my life, Dave. There's a lot of stuff in flux. <laughs> Speaking of things being in flux, Matt. Yes, exciting things that are in flux. Uh, we are about to watch episode 34. It is called Meddling in Love, the Intruding Girl. It was written by Naruhisa Matsui. It was originally released on October 18th, 1996. If you'd like to watch along with us, you can do that on the DVDs or on ShoutFactory.tv. Uh, recommend it. This is a banger. And we will be right back. All right. Welcome back. So we start off this episode in a beautiful dream. It is a beautiful dream. Uh, what we see is that Kyosuke, uh, you know, it's a dream because it's got like some Vaseline on the camera lens. And also Kyosuke uh, is wearing a suit and glasses, yeah. which you would never so catch Kyosuke, him in. 
So Kyosuke is coming home. Uh, he's clearly a businessman. He strolls into his apartment and he sees his wife. And uh, it's a great moment because she's turned around. And I think the vibe is that like, oh, who cussed the wife? And it's Zanette. But she's still definitely wearing her like Zanette headdress. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she's also just wearing like a skirt and a cardigan. So <laughs> there's a second where you're like, who is? Oh, it's Zanette. Yeah, I, because she's wearing an insane like alien princess headdress. And what's great about this is it's very much the reverse of what we've seen from Zanette in the past. Because Zanette has dreams about Red Racer, but she always imagines him with his helmet on because she doesn't know what his face looks like. Yeah. Um, or, so he, or maybe there's another explanation as to why she thinks that. We'll get to that in a minute. Actually, we'll get to yeah. that right now. Yeah, so she... <laughs> he's like, my wife, give me a kiss. And then she turns around, sees him, then, like, screams and is like, who are you? You're not my husband. Like, I'm married to Red Racer, not some, like, rando civilian. And she, like, hits him and knocks him over. And, like, he wakes up. And so, like, I had... Okay. And this is Kyosuke's dream. This is Kyosuke's dream. Not Zanat's. So I, I had previously been under the impression that Zanat was in love with Red Racer. And she didn't know what his face looked like, so she always imagined him with his helmet on. But what I have now come to understand is that she thinks she knows what his face looks like. She thinks his face looks like a red helmet. Oh, see, I'm not... Okay, that could be. I think this is from, like... Since this is from Kyosuke's perspective, I think it's like... All that she knows, he knows that all that she knows is that she's in love with Red Racer. And that she would not recognize him as Kyosuke yet. I don't I don't think that Zanette thinks that, that Red Racer's helmet is actually his face. I mean, dude, it very like look at everyone else that Zanette knows. Well, yeah, I mean, except Zanette herself. Sure, that's true. Anyway, it's I. Um, anyways, the the point is, is that like this was this is not Sunnet's dream. Uh, this is Kyosuke's dream, and he sort of gets back up, and I think it's Minoru says like, "Oh, did you fall asleep? Did you have a dream again? Was it about Zanet?" And then everybody gets in on it, and I love this. It's it is very clear that everybody is aware. Of, like, Kyosuke's Zanette thing. And even better, like, nobody... Like, it does not grok with anybody on the team. It seems that Zanette is, in fact, like, a member of the Bosok tribe. Right. It's so this... They are just acting as though, like, she is a girl at, like, the office. Even there isn't an office and they all work in the same office. But as though she is, like, a girl from his job... That he's, like, into and doesn't know how to handle it. Right. As opposed to, like, an evil space princess that has tried to kill them on multiple occasions. And I also really love that, like, okay, we haven't had a Kyosuke Zanet episode in a while. And I feel like this is a very clever way for the writers of the show to just give us a recap. Because all of them just go through every beat of their relationship to this point. They're like, oh, yeah, remember, like, of course, we, like... She came down before, and she was in love with you, and you broke her heart, and you said you just wanted to be friends. And then you've been, like, weird around her ever since. <laughs> yeah, like, you have just been fully incapable of, like, being cool about this. And they're like, that's not how you should be. You're the leader of the Car Rangers. You should, like, have some backbone. 
It's really wonderful. And then they say, like, so what are you going to do? He's like, all right. I've been thinking about it. And here's what I'm going to do. And they all get, like, there. And they're, like, doing repairs on RV Robo. Um, which apparently he fell asleep and has not been helping them. Yeah. So they all pause what they're doing, turn to look at him. And he says, for dignity, next time I will shake her hand. And they all, Dave, I'm going to say a word that I have not thought of since, like, being in college and hanging out with a lot of people who watched a lot of anime, Dave. Uh, they all simultaneously plots. Yeah, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I, there's not another word for that. I Like, it, sorry, unless you, like, it, they all, like, fall over upside down suddenly at the same time in a comedic way. It's something that I've only, like, you know, you only get in cartoons. And that is, for whatever reason, the word that I heard associated with it. Uh, it, it felt weird coming out of my mouth, but there it was. Like, I just wrote it in my notes and I was like, oh, that's a word I haven't written or down probably ever. Yeah, that is precisely, I don't know why, if that even is a word, maybe that was just a thing that, like, our buddy Steve said, and we assumed it was a thing that a lot of people said, but, like, if you watch anime, you know the move. Right. Um, is it so anyways, Yiddish? You go from there. It sounds Yiddish. Plots? Well, it's, it does. It's got a TZ sound in it, which always makes me think Yiddish. But, man, who knows? Um, so we go from there to <laughs> to Barbarian. And Zanette is just sort of like gazing out of her her gazing window, uh, is is what I think of it as. And President Gynamo is there, and he says, "Well, I really dig what we've done with being like the health and is it the health and stupidity bozo? Yeah, the health bozo, the health bozo, but both health like stupidity is definitely part of it. Oh, that's right. And he's like." I really like what we've done, but just being healthy and stupid isn't going to cut it. We need to we need to ramp up even further. So from now on, we will be the Devil Bozoak, uh, and everybody is everybody's real into this. What I everybody super digs it. What I love He's added most on like a little this, bit to the sign. Yeah, like the sign that he made last week that said the Health Bozoak. He has crossed off where it says Health and like added a little bit like hanging off the bottom that says I assume it says Devil. Um, and I, I Dave, I am. So hopeful that in 10 episodes, this sign will have just become like this huge monstrosity of like crossed out and replaced words. Oh, yeah, dude, they have uh, they've definitely set that up as a joke. And if they fall flat, that'll that'll really be a serious loss. Uh, we do see running around snapping pictures, the Squeaks monster, and he is his name is F.F. Uh, F. Munchori, and he is the worst monster I've ever seen. Yeah, his think. face is extremely bad. It's very, very bad. Uh, he's got like a real, like an anthropomorphic naked mole rat. Yeah, sort of. His he but like with a big square face. And like he's got bits of, so he's like a, uh, he's a photographer, but specifically he is like a... Like, uh, what's the word? Like a tabloid photographer. Like a paparazzi. Yes, he is the Bozoak's best scandal photographer. Yeah. And so, like, he's got... He doesn't have hair, but he has, like, bits of film stock, like, shooting out of his head. He's got, he's got a bunch of cameras hung around his terrible fat neck. Like, he's he's a real gross one. Do not like. Yeah. So, he's, like, he's running around and taking pictures of all sorts of stuff. 
the yeah i'm looking at the concept art and it's not a whole lot better uh it i mean it is better it's one of those ones that like when it got translated into being a 3d foam head uh just got man just so much worse um so so they're so they're hanging around. So he's running around. They're talking about being the devil bozok. Uh inventor Grotch says, Okay, I have modified the Imoyokan. I've like added a bunch of new weird alien junk to it. So now it'll turn you like it won't just make you bigger, it'll make you like bigger and stronger and like more deadly. So like we need to have somebody to try this out. And so like he hands it to President Gynamo, President Gynamo hands it to Zelmoda, and Zelmoda just starts like Hand, like shoving it towards other people because nobody wants to be the guinea pig for this thing. Yeah, uh, they are interrupted by a rocket that just flies through and lands in a wall, and it's an Espresso Mail rocket, and it says, there's a letter in it, and it says, Dear Vanity Mirror. And Zanette walks over and grabs it. And she doesn't really say anything, but she clearly, like, she doesn't let anybody else look at it either. And she reads it, I, uh, I think, to herself, and it says, I'm waiting for you at a food truck on Saturn. Which sounds nice. Yeah. And so she just says, like... So she just leaves. Yeah. Um, so she she flies out there in her car, just fl- does a quick drive over to Saturn, and she lands... And there, there is, like, a little, like, food truck sushi, like, ramen stand there. And she's like, who is this? Who knows my real name? So this is great. We find out that this is Beauty Zanette's real name. And we discover that it is Radiata Fanbelt of the Fanbelt dynasty. Remember her? She was the, like, she showed up, like, 15 episodes ago. She was a Car Ranger fangirl who, like was also sort of a Sailor Moon magical girl who could transform herself kind of into a car ranger. Yeah. So, well, I'll say, so as she rolls up, like, uh, Zanette comes up, that is, a hand sort of comes out of between these curtains and it is holding this fan belt diamond necklace. And it's this red one. Uh, and it was Zanette's from, uh, who was it? It was the, he's, he's like the best monster so far he was like an evil ranger, and he put together like an evil Sentai team. Oh, um, yeah, I forget his name. What was that dude's but, name? Yeah. Anyways, Inventor Grotch had built for them like a effectively like a Giga Formula cannon, but like an evil one. And it was powered by this fan belt diamond, and they took Zanets, and she's like, I want it back, and she never got it back. Well, Reddy had a fan belt, has it. And then uh, Zanet just sits down, and she orders some food. And Radietta says like, dude... I am, I'm super surprised to see you with the Bozoak. Like, this is kind of weird. Like, what's going on? So clearly, they know each other. Oh, yeah. And Zanette, and Zanette kind of blows her off. And then Radietta says something to the effect of like, listen, sis, like, mom and dad are still looking for you. Yeah, like, you ran away from our royal home. Like, what are you doing with these jerks? Who are you, like, like, who are you trying to be here? Like, okay, wait, what? What? Yeah, so, uh, the beautiful Zanette 
is in fact Princess Vanity Mirror of the the Fan Belt Dynasty somewhere deep in space, and is just like dipped on her entire family and planet. Well, okay, so like we're gonna get into this later, but this is very much like. She is a rich girl who is not interested in being part of the family business, so she has just, like, run off with a biker gang. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we popped back to Barabarian, and President Ghana was like, dude, what's going on? Who is Vanity Mirror? Like, I have, I am very concerned about this. Is it, could, it, could this be an ex-boyfriend that's, like, trying to get in touch with her? Like, what's up? And uh, FF Manchori says, like, well, I'll, I'll follow her. Like, I'll follow her and I will, I'll get the scoop here. Right. He, he just, he desperately needs to get that hot goss. Yeah. So we, we, we cut back to Saturn and Radiator Fan Belt is saying, like, listen, you've got to come home. You are the successor to our royal line. Like, you can't, you can't just not be there. And Zanet says, like, no, listen, you do it. Uh, you can be the successor. I don't want it anyway. I'm never coming home. And Radiator is like, wait a second. Don't like, like first of all, why? Like, don't, like that's weird. Don't tell me. Like, did you fall in love with one of the Bozoak? Like, that's gross and dumb. Don't do that. Like those dudes are, yeah, like those dudes are all dumb idiots. And Sonnet's like, no, no, of course I didn't. And as she like turns to walk away, she drops her wallet. And in her wallet, she just has like a three by not maybe not a three by five, but like a little like a little picture in her wallet of Red Racer. Which is so good. It's a red wallet, too. Like, it feels like she went out to buy that just to put the picture in it. Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario because she doesn't... Like, it doesn't match with anything else she has, and also, why would she need a wallet? Right. Uh, And she's like, listen, leave it. Like, she snatches a wallet back. She's like, leave it alone. I'm never going home. Like, home sucks. This sucks. Like, I'm with these dudes now. Like, it's great. She's not very convincing. And Radietta says, like... No, like, I'm going to bring you home. But, like, Zenet has already, like, gotten in her car and, and left. Uh, we do see FF Manchuri in the background, and he says, Oh, snap! Which is really hilarious, uh, because he's just, like, a photographer, and this was before the phrase, Oh, snap, was a thing, but now there's just, like, this horrible photography monster running around yelling, Oh, snap. Uh, and that's that's a delight to me. So he, like, Zenet is gone, and so he starts chasing Radiata. And, like, he chases her all the way to Earth. Like, because now, now Radiata Fanbelt knows, because, like, she recognizes Red Racer. She is, like, a big fan of the Car Rangers and has met them and, like, worked with them once before. So she's like, yeah. oh, you're in love with that dude. I know where that guy is. I'm going to go talk like, to him. Like, that guy's great. Uh, we get a quick... Uh, tag in on uh, Kyosuke and he's at the Pegasus Motors and he's sort of like running through a meeting with Zanet in his head like hey we could be could we be friends and then there's an alert uh, so that there's a monster he's like writing it uh, down like trying to practice his lines yeah uh, oh we do see that Dapu has gotten a new outfit which is great because um, it covers more of his body right it's basically so the same real... outfit but now he's got a hat yeah. Uh, no, no, he's got like a leather jacket and some gloves and stuff. Um, so the they run off to go fight the Bozoak. The Bozoak attack, as it turns out, is FF Manchori chasing Radiata Fanbelt. Radiata Fanbelt is in like her car that is like looks like a cat, and they're just like swerving all over the, all over the road. And she sort of gets run off the road into some convenient barrels, 
And then as FF Manchuri gets out to menace her further, the uh, the car rangers all show up. Yeah. So uh, they do not ask why Redietta Fanbelt is back. They're just like, oh, Redietta, it's you. Uh, it's a very short fight. Uh, Red Racer just calls for like formation attack and they all just attack FF Manchuri and he gets kicked in the head a bunch. Uh, and then he teleports away. Yeah. So they, they run over to Radietta and they're like, oh, and they're civilian guys. Right, like after, after they punch him, they all untransform and they run over, yeah, as you say, like in their civilian guys. Yeah, which is weird because at first it seems like she has amnesia because she looks at them and she's like, who are you guys? But then it forgot. She doesn't know their human forms. All she knows is the car rangers, which makes it like, why did they unhench it? Like they should have, because now of course she doesn't know who they are. Right. I think maybe, like, I don't know, the fight's over. Their transformation was done. Like, Dave, you you were asking me to explain, like, the specific workings of how the Car Rangers' car magic powers work, and I'm just not qualified to do that. So, so I don't think anyone is qualified to do that. I don't think the person who wrote this episode is qualified to do that. They untransformed because we need the episode for them to not be transformed. Man, I would say on the list of... In the list of people on this planet who are qualified to talk about it, I feel like you and I have got to be in, like, the top, I don't know, man, 25? Maybe. I mean, we do host the Internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. That's what I'm saying. So, Radiata Fanbelt looks up at them and says, Hi, civilians. Um, It's kind of weird that you're all here, but nice to see you, I guess. Hey, do you guys know where the Red Racer got off to? Like, we're pals. I actually came down here to look for him. Um, yeah, and they say, like, oh, yes, we are We are friends with the Car Rangers. That's why we're all standing here suddenly. That's not weird at all. Um, it's so totally a we- great explanation <laughs> for why those five people disappeared and us five are all now standing here. So uh, we cut away and um, all the Rangers and Radietta are... Like, just having drinks at a street-side cafe. And Kiyosuke does a giant spit take, which is... It was actually... It's a very good cut in, because we cut in on him doing the spit take, and then he says, Zanette is your... Is your si- What? She's your sister? Yeah, which is nice, because it means that we didn't have to listen to that whole thing again. Uh, yep. And so Radio is like, oh yeah, that's my sister. Hey, do you know how Red Racer feels about my sister? Because I would really desperately like to know that. And Kyosuke is so flustered that he starts to be like, well, I mean, I, I feel, I feel of, you know. And Radiant is like, I don't care how you feel. You don't matter. Tell me how the Red yeah. Racer feels. <laughs> and Kyosuke kind of like collects himself. He's like, I, I think that the Red Racer wants to help her, but doesn't really know how to do that best. And he feels very conflicted about it. Yeah, and Radiant so, is like, okay, that does nothing for me. I need to solve this on my own. Yeah, and how she saw, she looks over and she sees what I am fairly sure is the same like love and relationship oriented manga that Zanette had seen originally. She's like, whatever that is, looks amazing, and so she runs to buy a copy of it. And it is, uh, it's this thing where like the it's like a love diary. Where you buy it and then you write your like your love notes in it and then you trade it back and forth with the person who you are like starting to date, I guess, or want to date, flirting with. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the my FF Manchuri shows back up 
And the rangers are about to henshin to fight him. And they're like, ooh, hold up. Uh, no, stop. Stop, 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 stop. Like, Rediet is right here. Right. So, like, we can't, like, we can't henshin because she'll find out who she is. She comes back out with the thing. FF Manchuri is still there, or with her little diary. FF Manchuri is still there. She's like, civilians, get back. Like, I will combat this evil Bozok. Um, so she then henshins, and then they sort of, like, run off around the corner, and then they also henshin. And they come back, and she's like, oh, great, Car Rangers, you're here. Red Ranger, super good to see you. You and I have to have a conversation very soon. Anyway, let's deal with this jerk. Yeah, uh, there's a quick cutaway to Barbarian, where Zanette is super annoyed, and President Gynamo is, like, trying to talk to her. And she's like, leave me alone. Like, I really, like, I'm rapidly losing interest, my dude. Like, just give me some space or you're going to shoot whatever small chance you have. So just, just stop it. Uh, and then we go back to, the, oh, then, she, sorry, she just leaves. She gets in her, like, magical flying car and she leaves Barbarian. Yeah. Um, Come back down to the fight and uh, FF Munchori is like, hey, not only am I going to beat you, I'm going to embarrass you. Because I have all of these scandalous pictures of you. And just throws a handful of photos at them. And, like, listen, this is a kid's show, so their embarrassing photos are, like, them getting kicked in the butt by a whomper. Or them, like, falling down on their head. You know, like, there's nothing too, like, you know, like, they're bad photos and they don't portray them in a good light. But this is not, like deep scandal but the, you know like right well <laughs> but that's only because it's a kid show not because ff manchori isn't a total creep the other thing that is uh that is really bad planning on ff manchori's part is that like because he says like surrender or i will publish these photos and he has thrown the photos at them and this does sort of work for the like the rangers are distracted they're like oh no we wouldn't want anyone to see these photos it's like, F.F. Manchuri, you are dealing with foes that are 100% ready to just kill you. Right. Like, they're not, this, they are not constrained in some way that they can't just murder you and take all the pictures. You, you haven't threatened them by saying, like, if you don't do what I say, then, like, I've already sent these pictures to the publisher, and they'll go to print tomorrow. Right. Like, all you have done is incentivize them to kill you faster. Right. Um, but, so, oh, so, sorry, Zanette shows up, and she's sort of looking at this fight, uh, from afar, but when this fight actually begins, F.F. Munchori is not the slouch that he originally seems, uh, he, he does sort of like a flashbulb attack on, from a flashbulb that's on top of his head, and he stuns the rangers, and they sort of fight back and forth for a second, and then he does like an energy binding attack using film, Yeah, and so the rangers are all, all like cut caught up and stuck and like they can't you know they're all they're tied up so they're in trouble radiata fan belt comes back and she's like okay now it's my turn to deal with this situation and everyone says like oh no like you we remember this from before you're not actually super good at this and she's like no don't worry in the in the intervening time i have made some upgrades and i am now ready to like really make this happen and she summons dave she summons her car her cat car and an amazing thing happens. Oh my gosh, it's so incredible. So the name of the car is uh, Radicar, uh, because she's Radietta, and it's the Radicar. And she goes, Radicar, robot mode! And it just turns into a robot, and it's incredible. It is person-sized. It is person-sized, um, and it has a giant cartoon cat head, uh, which is amazing. It, it, 
I, in my notes, I was starting to write down the word amazing, and then she described it as both flawless and perfect. Yeah, which I don't think, uh, yeah, I think she kind of nailed yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, where's the lie? It's like, it's like Hello Kitty, it's not exactly Hello Kitty, but also, uh, it's like a Transformer, it's incredible. Um... So, so the Renekar is really good. Right, like he just like sort of teleports over to where FF Munchari is, punches him super hard, and then Radiata says like, "Okay, now it is time for you to finish him." But instead of that, uh, Radiata Car Robo like turns his hand into like an energy knife and turns towards the Car Rangers. Now immediately the Car Rangers are concerned because they feel like. Maybe this is a bad, like a, a poorly constructed robot that is not easy to control. Uh, but what actually happens is that the robot cuts the film that is binding them, and now they are free. And then the robot immediately collapses. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, whoa, what just happened? And then it holds up a like a boom box, and Radiata's voice comes over, and she's like, oh, yeah, on Earth, Radicar is only good for like a minute. And then it runs out of batteries, like... We're still working out the kinks. So FF Manchuri says, like, I will... This is a great line. I think all the Bozoks should use this line from now on. He says, you've left me no choice. I will make myself a giant and command the ultimate violence. It's so good. I definitely did pause rewind to make sure that I wrote that down word for word. Uh, Yeah. So then, you know, like, they summon a giant robot. There is sort of a weird spot in the fight. So it's uh, VRV Robo versus giant FF Manchuri, and they're fighting him, and he has some sort of, like, teleporting power. So we're like, every time they almost punch him, he just sort of teleports behind them. And uh, I don't know if he could only do that three or four times, but he definitely used his best power too early, because then they just summon Victory Twister, and dude apparently cannot teleport away from getting shot in the face a bunch. Yeah, I, I think he gets distracted because he's so excited about how the fight is going that he wants to take pictures of it, but he can't take pictures while he's fighting. So he's like fumbling with a camera and then he looks up and just gets shot in the face a hundred times. Oh, <laughs> I missed that. That's why he got distracted. Um. So that's that's it for the fight. Um. <laughs> he, uh... Radietta then... So we're, we're after the fight now, right? Radietta runs over to Zanette and says, Zanette, I have got you this diary. Why don't you, like, write in it, and then you can send it to Red Racer, and you can trade it back and forth, and then you'll be in love, and you can come home. And, like, you know, Red Racer is a wonderful man, and he will make an excellent prince, and everything will be cool again. And, like, Zanette is sort of turning away from it, and Red Racer sort of walks down and says, like, Zanette, please, like, let's try. I'll do this with you. And, you know, like, you can tell that he's definitely, he is... Like, he's he's going for it. This is his right. shot. He is like, still thinking about when he rejected her 15 episodes ago. He's like, now I'll say that I'm ready, and she'll, like, fall into my arms and everything will be cool. But that was 15 episodes ago, episodes ago and she's pissed off at him. So she's like, no. That guy sucks. I don't want to talk to that guy. And she just yeah, like storms um, off and Red Racer just stands there with his hand out still waiting for that dignified handshake that is not coming. And it's just like yeah, frozen like just in place. Gone. He's completely disassociated. He has no idea what's happening. Uh, Radietta chases after Zonette and is like, dude, like Zonette, like, come on. Like, you should definitely 
Like, you keep the diary. This is going to work out. This is great. All the rangers sort of, like, come up with something to do as to why they need to walk away from Red. I really liked, uh, um, I think it was uh, Minoru said he needed to get back to his knitting. Yeah. So, Rad, uh, Radietta kind of, like, runs back and uh, says something to Red Racer, forget what, and it sort of snaps him out of it. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. Oh, no. Uh, this is terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. And then Radietta drops the whole thing on and it's just like, listen, this is going to work out. You and Zanetta are going to be amazing together. You're going to be a great prince and big brother. Like, see you later, pal. Take care of my sister and for th- me. I'll be back after I've made some more upgrades. Yeah. Uh, then the, the last bit of my notes is, everyone mocks Kyosuke, the end. <laughs> I feel like a lot of episodes end that way, actually. Uh, but it was great. This was a really fun episode. Uh, but of course, that that episode is over. But our episode is not, because we need to determine where F.F. Manchuri lands in the Creature Royale. Well, I hate him a lot. Okay, here's the thing. Is the thing. I also hate him a lot, but I don't think he's a bad monster. I think he's loathsome. I think what I hate is his look. Yeah. Like, as a concept, I, I think he's actually kind of fun, and he, he does do some fun fights, and that is a great line about commanding the ultimate violence. He's just so awful looking that I, I get a little stuck in it. Right. I feel like he's... I don't know if he's bad enough to be at, like, the very end of the list for being terrible. And he's memorable enough that I think he goes above the monsters who are just, like, a big, fat nothing. Right? Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's very... I think that's... So, you know, like, fair. he's better than Jet Fighter Dimension. Because, like, Jet Fighter Dimension is just, like, a plane that turns into a monster. Like, that's nothing. Yeah, no, that's, like, a, he's a non-monster. Um, Probably better than, like, Adhesive Cockroach. I know you... I, I like Vending Machine Dimension more than you do. Um... And you would probably say that he's above vending machine dimension, right? Yeah, no, I definitely would. I definitely would. Um, I'm sort of looking... Well, there's camera dimension at 143. Never mind me, because there's a camera monster every couple of years. Which one was camera dimension? I feel like he was a very Sorry, similar man. monster. Like, not in look, but in sort of how he fought with, like, flashbulbs and film. The best one of all of these, of course, is Media Magician, who 100% rules. Yeah, no, Media Magician is amazing. Uh, Camera Dimension, his whole deal is that anybody he takes a picture of gets transported into the photo album? Oh, yeah. he's Camera Dimension is better than FF Machari. Yeah, 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 yeah. He definitely is. Um, but I... And then... And then just below that is Barra Tarantula. So, okay, here's what I'd say. He's better than Man of Jars. He's better than Barra Tarantula. He's not as good as Camera Dimension. Okay, well, let's slot him in right there. At the new number uh, 144. And that, Dave, that is going to do it for this episode of License to Car Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on uh, future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. Uh, Dave, if anyone wants to get a hold of you for the uh, the Go Sentai Heroes playtest, how do they do that? Uh, we are at GoSentaiHeroes at gmail.com. Uh, no punctuation or anything. And if you shoot me an email, I'll get you on the list and get the rules out to you. And uh, 
Love to hear back from people. Right on. Uh, if you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That would be swell of you. Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, if you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Come.